Welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. Summer hiatus is over. Stephen White with me as always. Stephen, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. How about you? I can't complain. It's uh, you know, it's been a minute since we did this here podcast. Did you did you did you have a good off season? Yeah, I did. You know, just kind of uh, checking out some of uh, the candidates for my breakout player pieces and stuff like that. So, you know, but it's always good to get back to real football. So I'm thankful that the preseason games have started now. Yeah, which is almost something like real football. It's close. You know, it's close (laughs) enough. At least for a quarter or two, you know what I mean? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, you know, the, the Cowboys kind of cheated us. They just went straight with the second team uh, <laughs> in the, in the, in the um, Hall of Fame game. But, you know, last night was pretty cool to see some start, you know, a few starters out. You know, you don't really need to see Julius Peppers at this point in the preseason. No, but, no. So seeing some of the guys get out there and, and uh, you know, look like a real NFL game for about a quarter or so was pretty cool. Yeah, it was nice to see. It kind of gets me, uh, gets me back in the mode here, you know, thinking about the regular season and all the stuff that's gonna come with it. But yeah, it was it was nice. The I think Deshaun Watson seems to be sort of the big takeaway from the game that everyone's talking about today, and and rightfully so. That was a a solid outing. I know he was with the second team going against second team in the preseason, so obviously. a grain of salt with all analysis that goes with that, but uh, but didn't look too bad in my opinion, my uninformed non-expert opinion. Well, I, I think uh, for me, he played the way I anticipated him playing, not from a perspective of the throws that he made or didn't make. You know, he did have some misses a couple of times, uh, a guys running up the scene, mm-hmm. but the poise that he played with. Because when I when I watched his film from college, that was the thing that stood out. Like he really knew the ins and outs of that offense in Clemson, and he just always looked in control and in the pocket. And when he had to leave the pocket, he was still looking downfield. He was still under control. You never saw him out of control. Yeah. And I think that that's so key. That I think that was one thing that stood out about Dak Prescott last year, just the fact that he never got rattled. It didn't yeah. seem. And so that's, that was the thing that I was looking for last night, and that's what we kind of saw. You know, he's a guy in the pocket, and, you know, he's really going through his reads, and he's not, you know, uh, taking off too fast. But when it's there, he's taking off and, and getting the yardage that the, the defense is allowing him to get. And he was just running through the office. He didn't look overwhelmed. It didn't look too big for him. And so I think that really bodes well for him getting on the field sooner rather than later this year. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, too, what it, you know, when he starts getting more reps with the first team and stuff, obviously. I mean, obviously, it's, you know, it'd be nice for him to have a, a target like New Hopkins to throw to. <laughs> right, and a better offensive line to be behind, too. Yeah, too. exactly. But, yeah, I think you're right. You saw the, the poise was there. I mean, it was all the positives. I And I, I still wonder if, you know – with three preseason games left to go, I mean, it's obviously too early to make a make a decision, but I'll be interested to see if, if it's him or Tom Savage come week one in the lineup for the Texans. 
I kind of anticipated that Watson would end up, you know, quote unquote, winning the job in the preseason. Uh, but but it's hard to say yeah. because, you know, Bill O'Brien may want him to sit for a few games into the regular season so he can see how it really is. Because preseason is one thing. Regular season is something totally different. So he might want him to see it from the sideline first, so yeah. to speak. But, um, I mean, the way this kid is progressing and the way he looks, just like I said, just looks like he he's belongs out there. He's not overwhelmed. He's not. The game isn't too fast for him. That might actually accelerate, um, you know, that decision because you know this might be one of those years in, in uh, AFC South where losing one or two games might keep you out of the playoffs. Yeah. So you know they might not afford. They might not, can afford to let him sit those first couple of games if they're not sure they have a chance to win them with Savage in there. Yeah. Yeah, and then you mentioned the AFC South. It's kind of or, yeah, it's interesting because you know the Titans look. I mean, it's a good division on paper, I think, except for the Colts, who don't seem to know what the hell is going on with Andrew Luck and his shoulder. But like Marcus Mariota's coming back this weekend already. He's going to play a few reps at least to start on Saturday, um, which is pretty you know significant since he broke his leg. What it was just December? It was late December even when he broke his leg last year. So and then there's high hopes in Tennessee. I know I've certainly kind of been probably that's probably the team I'm a, a little over, too hyped about a little maybe like a year early. I always feel like there's one who knows what the hell the Jaguars are gonna do. But, uh, but yeah, the Texans. Uh, you know, the, it, it could be a pretty interesting race with that team and the Titans for sure. Yeah, so it, it, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see if if Watson gets some time with the first team this preseason. If he does, especially if it just happens to be in that third preseason game when most teams are ready, they're getting ready for the regular season. Mm-hmm. Then you know, especially you know, if he has some a nice rapport with Nut Hopkins, like I said, that might accelerate that decision a little bit. But for now, I kind of lean towards that. I think he's going to let uh, Watson go into the, the regular season. As long as Savage doesn't just, you know, fall on his face. Yeah. Uh, he's going to let him, you know, enter the regular season as a starter and let and let uh, Watson kind of learn from the sidelines a little bit, I think. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of – I mean, of course, anytime I hear Tom Savage's name, I always think of – the draft Twitter love for Tom Savage <laughs> out there. It's Perth. funny, you know, it's, this is the first time O'Brien, you know, for some reason has always been like everyone has attached that quarterback whisper, which is really lame to begin with label to him, you know, like, Oh, this guy can really take quarterback. But this is the first time he's really had, I think like a sort of a bona fide talent at quarterback quarterback to have you know a guy that he picked on his own I guess Osweiler was maybe they thought could be that guy last year and the year before that was Hoyer and the year before that it was none other than the the Harvard uh, the Harvard man himself Ryan Fitzpatrick so I guess we'll see if if the quarterback whisper is a legitimate thing or not this year yeah (laughs) yeah I'm not I'm not really sure about that one it just you know, the body of work doesn't kind of support that. But the thing in his favor is 
he made Hackenberg look like an NFL quarterback in college for like a year. So, yeah. you know, and evidently Hackenberg is terrible. Can't even, <laughs> can't even break the huddle <laughs> had to break correctly the... or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, had to do it twice because I mean, he couldn't get it. Right, and then they kicked them like kicked them out of like. I mean, how can you not break the huddle? Oh, I, I don't, I, I don't get that. One. <laughs> but you know, but somehow Bill O'Brien did make him look pretty good that year. So you know that that's in his you know plus column. <laughs> so uh, you know this will kind of be, uh, you know, the proven ground for him if he can get a, a guy like Watson. Who looks like he's you know pretty close to ready already? Yeah. If we can get him to playing good, sound football, good enough for that defense really to kind of lead that team. I mean, the sky's kind of the limit. Yeah. For them, but if not, you know, then all of a sudden you know people are gonna start looking at him funny. Yeah. Yeah. You uh, know, man, that, that Hackenberg stuff. <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> I mean, just the fact that Hackenberg is actually in a quarterback competition. I guess, you know, it's probably one of those quarterback competitions where you know the outcome even before it's actually quote-unquote settled. But with Josh McCown, man, that, that Jets team, that's going to be – that's 0-16 watch this year. Right. And look, you know, I – I know there were some people debating whether the Jets are tanking or not. I, I don't really think those people understand, you know, that you can tank without people quitting. Tanking isn't necessarily quitting. Yeah. Uh, especially from the perspective of the coaches and players. Tanking is, you know, setting the team up so that it doesn't really have a chance to win. Yeah. And that seems to be what the, the Jets have gone out and, and absolutely tried to do this year. They get a bunch of also ran quarterbacks led by Josh McCown. And like I said, I think the last two head coaches, one of them twice, that, that Josh McCown played for in the NFL, eventually got fired. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, take that for what you will, but, you know, watch your back, you know, uh, up there. Uh, what's the just head coach name? Uh, Todd Bowles. <laughs> I always need to watch his back. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, and then you, you what? You let uh, your best receiver walk by far, Brandon Marshall, and yeah. it's like you don't replace any of these people. You don't replace the people that left. And now your best returning wide receiver, Quincy uh, Ingua, just got hurt. He's out for the season with with uh, uh, like a bulging disc. Yeah, uh, in his spine. So they were already bad on paper before that. Now I'm not really sure who they're going to throw the football to. So, you know, and that's, you know, look, I'm sure those guys that are there are going to try like hell. Look, they got a bunch of talent on the defensive line, especially. Yeah. And those guys aren't going to quit. You know, they're going to go out there and give it their best. But you just, you know, you set up for failure right now if you're the New York Jets and – you know, you can call it what you want to. I do call it tanking, but they're going to have a hell of a time just trying to win a game. Yeah, it, it's going to test that theory that because we, we talked. I remember talking about it last year with the Browns when they were kind of on the zero and sixteen watch. But like, it's going to test that theory of just how hard it is to to lose all sixteen games in the NFL, which is you know it's not easy as we've said before. I was saying you know 
Uh, I think that the win that they get, the one or two wins or whatever, are probably going to be like a week 14, 15, 16. Yeah. Where teams kind of let their guard down. (laughs) Or another team that just doesn't have anything to play for. But, man, this team looks bad enough on paper. If they have a couple, you know, key injuries, it might not be about 116. It might end up being about like point spread. <laughs> they might get beat by the first spread in the history of the NFL. I wonder if you could go 0-16 against the spread. That would be an impressive feat in and of itself right there. I mean, it, it, like I said, it, you know, <laughs> if one of those interior defensive linemen or, or just defensive linemen, period, get hurt, yeah, it, it could definitely happen. <laughs> well, they had a receiver today. Peak Sharon Peak came out and said that he thinks they've got. They think he's sure they've got a, a thousand yard receiver on the team. And I thought, bless his heart, that is unbridled optimism right there. We need more of that these days. I tell you what. <laughs> See, he's looking at it from the perspective of okay, somebody's got to get a thousand yards receiver, right? You just figure on every team you got a thousand yards receiver. That's really not the case, and he's just telling the fact of who's going to have to throw the football to those receivers. So they might even have three receivers who talented enough to get a thousand yards, you know, if they happen to play with Tom Brady or something. But you're not playing with Tom Brady uh, at all. And, Most you know, certainly. Sharon Peake, you know, he's going to be sad to say about week 10. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> well, you know, he smartly, he did not put a qualifier on it. So, you know, he wasn't, he could, he could still have his statement apply to, you know, whatever, 2018 or 2019. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't know if, look, unless the Jets, you know, hit the lotto in the, in the draft or something next year at quarterback, you know, it could be five or ten years from now. Oh, I don't know. Man. It's, it it, it's it doesn't rough. seem like they're coming back from this anytime soon. <laughs> it's rough. And they could, you know, they wind up with the first pick. You get, you know, what, Darnold out of USC or Josh Allen, I guess, is the name now. But, like, you get one of those guys and it's like, and you're protecting him with uh, who's his name and what's his butt on the offensive line? That ought to be a... That ought to be a dandy of a. That's a, it's a great way to start a kid's career in the NFL. Yeah. Woo! Speaking of the uh, NFC or AFC East, the Dolphins have a new quarterback, Jay Cutler, which I guess is all sort of the reunion with Adam Gase, the coach that made him smile a little bit more in Chicago and helped cut down on his terrible decision making. But, uh, I know the first thing that popped into my head with with this is with me is is I always wonder is this better than Ryan Tannehill? Because like to me Ryan Tannehill is always like that that sort of league average game manager, like game manager in the pejorative sense of game management type of quarterback. But I you know I don't know. Color was retired. I mean like content to walk away from the game and then had to be talked out of retirement to take this job. So I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on this? Well, you know, I'm sitting back and, and I see the news and, and, and I'm like, okay, so you trying to tell me a quarterback who played poorly last year, whose commitment 
would be questioned because he hasn't been working out. He's been preparing to do some stuff off the field. Mm -hmm. Is demanding $10 million (laughs) and demanding a starting spot. And he got signed? Oh, wait a minute. That's not... That's not Kaepernick, though. No. That's, that's Jay Cutler. You know, because it kind of sounded like the stuff they kept saying about Kaepernick yeah. all off season. But Jay Cutler actually did it and still got a job. <laughs> I mean, how about that? He demanded $10 million. He got $10 million. He demanded a starting job. He got a starting job. He played terrible last year. Hey, I'm just saying, like, it's funny that he, this guy still gets a job. Yeah. And, and he, a guy who gets up and admits that he hasn't been working out, <laughs> admits that he had to be talked into coming back, and says, you know, fortunately he plays quarterback, so, you know, you don't have to worry about, his, you know, cardio with the quarterback position yeah. too much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but uh, sure, you know, Dolphins fan, get excited. <laughs> get excited. Get hyped. Because I'm sure. I am so sure that those high expectations won't be dashed at all early and often by Jake Cutler. I'm sure that Jake Cutler is going to be the guy to lead y'all to the promised land this year. Yep, sure is. I love that. I love that, like, all, like, the NFL narrative machine is a wonderful thing, let me tell you. And, like, I love that, like, when the Cutler stuff started, like, before, like, he actually signed just kind of the you know, the reports and rumors start going around and, and like, everyone's like, well, Adam Gase and Cutler in Chicago, like he really got Cutler to be a locker room guy. got his, really got him to be a leader and step up. And then they roll Cutler out the day after they sign him. And it's just, it's like, it's the same fucking Jay Cutler with everything, but the cigarette hanging out of his mouth that, you know, the internet is inevitably photoshopped on there within like 30 minutes of of seeing that picture. And then that's when he makes his, I don't have to be in good cardiovascular shape. I'm a quarterback. <laughs> Just like, Oh yeah. Same old Cutler here. <laughs> God. Right. I mean, seriously, you know, got, and the guy's coming off of an injury. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, are we even sure that he's, you know, a hundred percent right now? Yeah. I'm sure he hasn't been rehabbing like he would if, you know, if he was still with the team, so uh, yeah, it, it's just it, look. It, it, it's a time. It, what a time to be alive <laughs> when Jay Cutler can get a job coming off a terrible season where he was injured and where he was trying to to start a career as a, you know with, with CBS was it Fox? He was uh, Fox. something like that. Fox, Fox, you know, commentator, and just you know goes right in and gets a starting job. Yeah. And now people didn't they speculate that maybe this could be a long term thing too? Yeah, there's talk about that for sure. Because he's only thirty four. But I'm so sure that, that he's gonna light it up this year and get a long term deal out of this. Yeah. I mean that's just the perfect ending to this movie, I think. So <laughs> it is just like I say, it's just interesting that, you know, he embodied all of these things that folks said was the reason why Kaepernick didn't get signed this offseason. But he did get signed. Yeah. And Kaepernick still has it. So okay. Uh, can you uh, imagine? Could you imagine the devil say if Kaepernick said came out and said, Well, I don't have to be in good shape, I'm a quarterback. Can you imagine right. what people would right. say? Right. And they're they're already acting like this when he's you know, everybody well, we're not even sure he wants to play. Yeah. <laughs> this guy literally said he wasn't sure he wanted to play. And everybody's like, Oh, okay, well, you know. Yeah. Cool. 
the you know the amazing thing about like going through this I, just to we've got a uh for folks out there listening today on monday you're gonna see something pretty special we've got a a package of kaepernick stuff coming out on the one year anniversary of the first time he protested last year but uh but yeah one thing like going through that and looking back at all the little silly narratives about why kaepernick isn't going to get signed or can't play or whatever and like that one comes like the 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 health thing the vegan thing came up once like credible supposedly credible nfl writers not like you know anonymous blogs and stuff like that or like there's a period there where they're parroting that well his vegan thing he might not be he's not in good enough shape because he's a vegan it's like well he's not the only one in the nfl that's a vegan and then there was the camp doesn't want to play would rather be an activist than a player that would come up every now and then. But like you say, it's the same stuff, but it's a different standard with Cutler. So never ceases to amaze. I love it, I love it because a bunch of people was telling me too. see, he's not getting black ball. Even Jay Cutler doesn't have a job. So that, now they can't even say that. Anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're running, people are running out of stuff to say. So, yeah. And I, I can't wait for that, that piece to come out on Monday because my part of it is, of course, the tape piece. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I explained it. I think there's been a lot of good um, film pieces on Cap this offseason to kind of debunk this narrative that he played poorly last year. Yeah. But I, I think I went at it in a certain way to to really make sense to people who genuinely don't know how he played good or bad and just want somebody to kind of break it down to them in plain English. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, I'm really excited to see, the you know, how people receive that. Just because, like I said from the beginning, you know, I, I don't particularly care necessarily how people feel about uh, Cap Nilling. I just want us to stop lying about why he doesn't have a job. Yeah. Uh, once we can get past that lie about him playing poorly last season, then we can have a more honest conversation. But until that happens... People are going to keep on, you know, parroting that around yeah. as if that's a legitimate reason why he doesn't have a job. And we yeah. all should know that it's not. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I, I think if you if you had any illusions about what, like, you know, is keeping Kaepernick out of the NFL, you, it really played out in public, not insider reports and stuff like that. But it really fully played out with the way it was handled with the Ravens over the last week or two here. But you know, it it essentially comes down to Harbaugh and Ozzie Newsom were interested. The owner came out and said at that fan forum the weekend after Flacco got hurt, came out and said at the fan forum that he was against Kaepernick, against signing him because of his didn't like his protest, but he was going to talk to the fans and Ray Lewis about the issue before they made a decision. And sure enough, they've never made a decision, which tells you that they're probably, it ain't happening, I think, at this point. Right. And, and we, you know, I kind of said from the beginning, you know, the only way he would get a chance is in a desperation situation anyway. Yeah. So maybe if, you know, uh, Flacco re reaggravates the injury or something and it's going to be out longer than they anticipated, maybe then, you know, that would kind of overrule their owner being a jackass. Yeah. Uh, but, but other than that, you know, the sad part about all this is that, Again, people have to understand that even if Cap gets a job at this point, he's going to be set up for failure. Yeah. You know, you got guys who've been with their team since, you know, March or April, 
had all their time to learn the playbook, and those guys are still going to get cut at the end of August. Yeah. You, you, now you're going to throw Cap into a situation where he has to learn everything on the fly again. It'll be his fourth offense in four seasons. Yeah. And expect him to go out there and play well with guys who he hasn't really practiced with and doesn't really know. And then, of course, everybody's going, well, look at this. See, he can't play anyway. He's yeah. set up for failure at this point, and we should all acknowledge that because he may well get a job. The team may be so desperate that finally, you know, it, it's worth it to them to to overrule the owner, what have you, so they can try to win some games. Yeah. But no matter what, by that time, it still will be unfair because he's going to be put in a situation where it's almost impossible. Yeah. It's going to be, you know, how many quarterbacks – have come off, you know, the the the, the street, and, and, and you know, got signed like the last week of training camp or into the season, and actually played well for their team. Yeah, that's not the way they usually go. So you know, just understand, we have to understand that, that you know the ship has kind of sailed. Um, there may be a situation for Cap to get an emergency call. And get on a team. Yeah. But it shouldn't have ever come to that. Not when he played as well as he played last season. No. No, and I mean, I you know, and along those lines, I think, you know, out of all the teams in the league, Baltimore really made a lot of sense because obviously Harbaugh is sort of familiar with him through his, through his brother having coached him. But Greg Roman is an offensive assistant there. Greg Roman was his offensive coordinator, you know, for those first three or four years in San Francisco. So... You know, you, you, there was the familiar. At least there was the familiarity there from with one of his old offensive coaches, and and could have you know at least ease that transition a little bit. But like you say, anywhere else he goes, it's going to be pretty tough at this point. And look, <laughs> at least with the Dolphins, the Dolphins had a pretty good backup, and they still decided to to uh, sign a cover. The the, the Ravens. <laughs> their backups are trash. Their backup quarterbacks are trash. Yeah. So, you know, really is, and truly, you know, if you say that the Adam Gates, uh, Jay Cutler relationship was reason enough for them to go out to Cutler, you should have said the same thing about Greg Roman and Colin Kaepernick because it would be the one situation basically at this point where Cap could walk in and not have to learn a whole new offense he'll yeah. be familiar with it uh roman is familiar with him you know and they you know familiar with, with each other's play calling and, and, and thinking on different things and yet they still didn't pull the trigger yeah so you know and i'm pretty sure again cap wasn't actually the one who was demanding 10 million dollars yeah so you know that you got a chance to upgrade your backup for cheap but they don't do it now you know, maybe they'll do it later in a desperation situation. But, but they, you know, they do. You know what's frustrating to me too about this whole scenario? What? People keep saying talking about um, Kaepernick's activism, mm-hmm. the, the stuff that he's continuing to do. You know, um, and, and I'm like, if he didn't kneel, if there was no controversy about him kneeling last season. The NFL would be trying to give him all kind of awards, Walter Payton awards and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. For the off the field stuff he's doing. Yeah. 
Because if you separate that, you look back at some of those past winners of, of you know, those humanitarian awards with the NFL and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Derek Brooks, a, a good friend of mine, former teammate, you know, was, was really in the community doing stuff. And that's what Kaepernick's doing right now. Yeah. You know, he, he, he went through financial support as well as actual, you know, going in and doing stuff. Yeah. He's affecting the community positively. Mm-hmm. So it's just remarkable to me that people now don't want, quote unquote, that kind of activism around their team where, like I said, if it but for the, the supposed controversy about him kneeling, he will be getting accolades for the kind of work he's doing in the community right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally everyone like when he started the protests and you had all those. People going, oh well, he's just going to protest. He's not. He's a multi-million dollar athlete. He's not going to do anything about it. He did. He put his money where his mouth is, literally. And he said he's not going to kneel this year because he doesn't want it to, to distract from the positive work that you know that he's been doing in, in the conversation that's started because of that. And it's still just like, I, you know, to me, it really comes down to it's like I, I've said this as a Rams fan before because you see it, you know, with the stadium stuff and. And winning is is not everything in the NFL. And you can tell the Kaepernick situation is a classic reminder of that, that an owner would rather have, you know, Scott Tolzien or whatever the, you know, that kind of quarterback starting for them instead of a good quarterback like Colin Kaepernick because they're afraid of fans writing letters as to quote John to paraphrase John Marr, the Giants owner, you know, angry fans or a president tweeting about a, a player on the roster than they would actually, you know, set themselves up with the best chance possible to win games. And, and nobody ever better come to me again and say the NFL, it's all about winning. They'll do whatever it takes to win. And to some extent that's true, but it's, it's not, an, it's still bullshit at the end of the day because this this proves it. Well, and, and, and let's not take the agency away from some of these NFL owners. A lot oh, of them, yeah. their, their fan base, Baltimore's fan base, I think overwhelmingly would support them signing cap. Yeah. This is all about the owner. Yeah. You know, and, and the same owner, a lot of the same owners, a lot of whom supported their same president that tweeted about Kaepernick, yeah. I think a lot of this is about their own feelings on the matter. Yeah. You know, where, where their front office and their coaches may not feel the same way. Yeah. So, um, you know, <laughs> it's just amazing to me that people are so sure that there hasn't been collusion with the with, with the NFL owners to blackball cap. Yeah. Well, we know, well, we know that everybody laughed at the NFLPA at first when they said that the owners colluded to keep wages down in that uncapped season. Yeah. Everybody laughed. And then they found the the memo that actually spelled it out. Yep. And so we know, we literally know that the NFL is known for colluding in their own best interest. Yeah. But now we're supposed to believe that a guy, a guy who, even if you believe the worst of these dumbass uh, 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 narratives about Kaepernick, as far as his play on the field, 
you got to believe that there is teams in the NFL now that run schemes that he will fit. I mean, you, you just – none about nothing about this makes sense unless you finally come to the conclusion that all 32 teams independently decided that they wouldn't sign a guy or even attempt to sign a guy who will be a definite upgrade at least to their number two quarterback. Yeah. They all independently came to that same conclusion without a single one of them really seriously considering signing him. Like none none of them even got to the negotiating stage as far as money. Mm -hmm. And we know that Seattle said it wasn't about money for sure. Mm -hmm. I know we got this bogus report from a right wing outlet that routinely lies about everything, but sure, sure, Jan, go ahead and use them as, you know, some kind of justification. But, but what we do know is Seattle came out and said it wasn't about money. Evidently, with Baltimore, it never even got into a money stage. The Dolphins said they didn't even contact Kaepernick. So, you know, if you want to believe this this crazy, you know, report that all these teams offer him contracts, but his agent just didn't tell Kaepernick to go ahead. Yeah. Otherwise, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to un- come up with a reason why all all 32 teams decided they wouldn't even offer the NFL middle to see if he would be willing to take that. Yeah. I mean, you just, you have to suspend logic. You have to suspend reason to believe that this wasn't something that, you know, they agreed to. All owners agreed to. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something else, man. I, I, I never seen any, I mean, anything like it in the NFL and it's, it's, a shitty thing that, you know, you just at the bottom line at the end of the day, it's like if you're a fan, it sucks because you're keeping a good player off the field. The league's not the best it could be if you don't have you know, it's hard enough to find thirty two good quarterbacks and then you keep one out of the league for politics and like, well, it's just, you know, it's a it's a black eye for the NFL. I mean it just it's it's it takes away from their product at the end of the day. And then at the end of the season, we'll be complaining because some team lost their starting quarterback oh, yeah. and the backup sucks. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they were, they were in the playoff, you know, playoff hunt, and now they, they have no shot, all because their, their backup quarterback sucked, and they could have signed cap, but they decided not to. Oh, yeah. It's bound to happen. It's going to happen to several teams probably. Oh, yeah, at least. It always does every year, you know. I mean, there's already one – starting quarterback down for the season and maybe potentially more, you know, you got Flacco and Andrew Luck, but nobody knows when they're going to be throwing again. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's bound to happen. Um, all right. I'm going to, we got to take a quick break. And as they say, Stephen, pay the bills by pay the bills. I guess I'm paying the, uh, the company's bills, but Hey, they pay my bills. So, I guess I could do him a solid there. But uh, I'm going to take a quick break, read a message from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Hi, friends. I want to tell you about the Dollar Shave Club and why it's the smarter choice for the uh, shaving person in your family or persons even. Um, It's a great shave at a great price. It's convenient, delivered right to your door. It's a no-brainer choice. Um, Like I say, the razors are great. Uh, They they give you a really good shave. I use the executive razor myself, which has got the uh, four blades on it. Um, I really can't recommend it enough. Um, I don't shave every day, but I shave... 
every couple days, and I find that the razors last, the cartridges last about a week, and uh, you know, you sign up for four of those things, and it lasts you a month, and it's a really good deal, and you can get an extra good deal on it right now. Um, for a limited time, uh, you will get your first month of the Executive Razor in a tube of Dr. Carver's Shave Butter, a really good, really quality shaving cream that comes with it. Only $5 with free shipping. Um, and after that, you can get whatever razors you need for just just a few bucks a month. Um, anyway, go to dollarshaveclub.com slash onside kick and you'll get this uh, very special offer and uh, you can tell them that your friends at the family hour sent you over for, for a good shave we're back um did you watch the uh did you watch hard knocks this week yeah actually i did i caught it this week not i mean you know it's uh it, it's already better than last year's with the Rams. And I don't say that just because of my own anti-Rams bias, but I'm just like, it was more interesting, I have to say. Look, it, it, just getting to see uh, Deshaun Jackson in practice every day, that guy looks like, you know, sped up the film or something. Yeah. He's just moving at a different speed than everybody else. So yeah. just watching him run around the field was was enough for me. But then, of course, you know, you get introduced to some of the characters on the team, what have you. Yeah. Uh, the, the backup linebacker that's cussing out the, the uh, blocking dummies. Yeah. Uh, and stuff like that. So that, was, that part was pretty cool, too. But, uh, yeah, I just, I really enjoyed, you know, just watching Deshaun Jackson work, man, because that dude is ridiculous. Yeah. That's, I mean, and that was pretty smart, too. It's like they gave you, you know, more than a, a few seconds of, Evans and Jackson together too, like even off the field. I thought that was pretty smart because that, I mean, I mean, that's going to be a hell of a combination. Look, those two guys out wide, you know, going up the field and then you got the tight end from Alabama screaming down the scene. Yeah. I feel sorry for your safety. I yeah. really do. Cause yeah. you gotta, look, you gotta pick, pick your poison. Yeah. That whole division. I mean, like that's going to be, I mean, on paper, Right now in August, that that's gonna be a tough division. I mean, it's not perfect up and down, but man, you got four teams that can. You know, you look at the quarterbacks in that division compared to any other division in the league. Yeah, it, it, you know, they've all found their franchise quarterbacks. Of course, uh, with the Saints, uh, you know, Breeze on the has maybe a couple more years, yeah. but. He's still playing at a high level. If yeah. he could just get a defense <laughs> that could at all hold hold their hold up their side of the bargain, you know, they'll be trouble. Uh, yeah. they've had some injuries and you know, I know Nick Fairley has the heart problem. So they've kind of been slake bit on, on, on defense again this year. Yeah. Um but you know, Drew Brees always gives them a shot. So uh they got him and, and uh of course, yeah, Cam Newton, but he's coming off a, uh, I believe, shoulder surgery yeah. too. So, and then you got James Winston, and you got uh, uh, Matt Ryan in Atlanta. I mean, it, you know, that's that one division where everybody's kind of set at the quarterback position. Yeah, and so every week, any one of those guys could beat you. Yeah, they're on. You know, any one of those quarterbacks, you're one of your team on any given day. Yeah. And there's just not very many divisions where you can say that, really. Yeah. 
Yeah, those games are going to be fun to watch, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the Hard Knocks season. So that'll be a good one. But uh, oh, speaking, uh, all right, uh, staying in the the NFC South, Devonta Freeman got a big contract that temporarily, I guess, until Le'Veon Bell signs the franchise tag tender. Um, Freeman is the highest paid running back in the NFL, which I mean. I guess I, I got to say it. I know it's cheesy. I know it's lame. But uh, I guess that the Falcons are invested in running the ball now. That was my, I that mean, was you my hope Super Bowl so. joke. I mean, you would hope so. <laughs> you would hope that, <laughs> listen, man, like maybe we should hand it off to our $9 million back. <laughs> I'm just, maybe. I don't know. But um, you know, like you said, it's just temporary anyway as far as the highest paid until – Le'Veon Bell uh, gets his, but it's good to see you know them taking care of uh, Devonta Freeman. Yeah, I really did feel like he was the heart and soul of that offense. Uh, you know, uh, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones get a lot of publicity, but um, you know Devonta just kind of gives that hard nosed toughness from play to play. Yeah, and and keeps defenses honest, so they can't just sit back and and play the pass. So. Um, you know, I think he is well deserved. Um, with Le'Veon, he's kind of trying to break the bank though. So yeah, his, his might be substantially more uh, than Devonta's, just because you know I'm sure from Le'Veon's perspective, he does more. You know, he yeah. more, he does more in the receiving category and stuff like that. So, um, and and he's kind of right about that. So it, it'll be interesting to see what those numbers are when Le'Veon Bell finally signs. Especially since he hold, he's not technically holding out, I guess, because he didn't sign the uh, the franchise tag yeah. or whatever, but he's not there. Right. So. Yeah, and then you had the Steelers yeah. GM came out yes, was it yesterday or the day before and said that, well, he's hurting himself by not being here. But, I mean, just from a rep's perspective, I mean, I don't know that Le'Veon Bell – He's at that stage of his career where, I mean, I know, you know, you've got to stay in shape and be ready for the games, but, like, I don't feel like, you know, missing training camp reps is probably going to put Le'Veon Bell behind the curve when the season starts or anything. Look, uh, every day we see, you know, a guy here, a guy there tearing his ACL up or something. Mm-hmm. In the Le'Veon Bell is fine. Yeah. <laughs> He, he didn't forget the offense. He didn't forget how to run with the football. <laughs> no. He'll be fine, I'm sure. You know, so but that but that's a GM's job, I suppose. You know, they're yeah. supposed to kind of try to exact pressure yeah. on players to get them in because coaches, you know, they're yeah. crazy like that. They do want everybody there practice and stuff. But Le'Veon has to look out for himself. Yeah, and <clears throat> this is the one situation really where you can get away with. Being away and not losing money. Yeah. You know, guys like Aaron Donald, uh, he's holding out. But I think every day that he holds out, they can they can find him some crazy amount of money. Yeah. And uh, if he misses preseason games, like, you start losing regular season checks. Yeah. So if the team so so chooses to enforce it, a lot of times if a guy go, goes ahead and signs, you know, they kind of uh, rescind those fines or whatever. But – as it stands right now, man, these guys gonna gonna come out of preseason owing money to yeah. the teams if they, if they hold out for the whole preseason. So, you know, Le'Veon is in that one situation where you know he he's been offered the franchise tag, but uh, he didn't sign it. 
and so he can stay away without getting fined. I, look, <laughs> stay away as long as you can, man. <laughs> <laughs> And that's what I do. Stay away as long as you can. Stay in shape. And that's then let's right. go when, when, when week one rolls around. Yeah. Why even chance it? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, stay stay away from – don't clam bake the car while you're staying away from training camp. That's for sure because you don't want to lose yourself to the NFL's draconian drug policy or anything. But it's uh, – it's interesting. Running backs are making – it was interesting. You know, you watch – LaDainian Tomlinson, you know, his Hall of Fame speech this week, and Terrell Davis, too, obviously two great running backs going into the Hall of Fame. And it's interesting to see that, you know, running backs are, you know, after a few years of everybody kind of writing, writing them off, they're kind of valued again. But I think it's more the matchup side of it as opposed to just the position value, you know, the straight up. These aren't guys that are, you know, just three yards in a cloud of dust types. They're sort of offensive weapons that match up that give coaches interesting matchups. I mean, obviously Le'Veon Bell's sort of the, the poster child for that in the NFL right now with guys like Lamar Miller or David Johnson or, you know, those kind of players that are running back in name, but can do a lot of other stuff. Uh, right. Uh, the, the only thing about it is, uh, they're still not making a whole lot of money at the no. top of the market. No. Um, so their their wages got kind of stagnant for so long that, uh, you know, when you're the highest paid player at your position, you know, most, most guys when they're the highest paid at their position, they're making double, you know, $10, $12 million, $15 million. Yeah. You know, I think the top quarterback is what now, like like twenty five. On average, I mean, I think if you just like look at it with guaranteed money, it's still you know it's twenty one or twenty two or something like that. Right. But but you know, running backs like you top of the market is like nine million still. So yeah. Nine is changing. So they you know they're still it's good that they are finally starting to you know jump up in wages or whatever a little bit. But man, you know, imagine bringing as much as you bring to the table is Le'Veon Bell and still not making over $10 million a year. Yeah. because Just because, you know, nobody has yet or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that still has to kind of suck with yeah. all that they put their body through, and, you know, getting hit you know, in between the tackles or what have you. And you still kind of feel like, I still feel like they're a little undervalued. Yeah. But it's going to take a while for them to, you know, for more guys to get paid and keep pushing that number on up. Yeah, and it's a shorter career, too, than the other skill position. You know, you compare it to, like, a number one wide receiver or quarterback or, you know, the top tight ends in the league. It's a, you know, they're still the the bottom of the list in terms of overall, you know, earnings compared to the rest of the skill position players. And you take away a guy like Le'Veon Bell, that Steelers offense isn't going to be so great, you know? Right, it's just not the same. It might, it could be okay, I suppose, but as far as you know, being able to run people out of the stadium like they can when when they all, all are there, yeah, uh, and you know, this year Marte was Brian coming back, whoo, yeah. Listen, if, if that guy can stay unsuspended, <laughs> which I don't know if he can, 
<laughs> but, you know, if they all are there together and Le'Veon gets signed, man, that offense is going to be amazing. Yeah. It might, I mean, they might finally be sort of a quality challenger to the Patriots. Although, man, that Patriots team's freaking loaded. Yeah, that's the crazy, crazy thing about them is that they keep kind of, you know, finding ways to reload. God. Um, you, you lose, <laughs> you think you lose Michael Bennett and, and as well as he played for them last season. And then you get a wide receiver from the Saints who's <laughs> evidently torturing people in, in the preseason so yep. far. Uh, so it's just, it's crazy, man. They keep on finding ways to get more talent in there. Yeah. And just keep on running in and out every year. Looks like, I mean, the guy looks like the best Patriots receiver since Randy Moss. Right. <laughs> and you still got Gronk and you still got, yeah. you know, uh, you get Gillisley at running back and get Burkhead at running back. Yeah. You still have James White and the other kid. I mean, you just... Embarrassment of riches. Shit. I mean, you know, they w- ran through the playoffs without Gronk. I mean, that without Gronk, they were a fucking Super Bowl champion. I can't even imagine what, you know, as loaded as they are, if everyone stays healthy, it's uh, it ought to be something else. Um, you know, the Patriots, uh, the Patriots kind of got some attention earlier this week, not for Cooks or Brady or anything like that, but Vince Wilfork came back to town to sign uh, that one-day deal to kind of retire as a Patriot, I mean, which was sort of fitting since he spent 11 years of his career there. I know he finished his career in Houston, but uh, it was good to see. I, I mean, Will Fork's one of my favorite players. I always, I, uh, you know, I hope he's around in more than just uh, charcoal commercials because I really, I mean, I just enjoy the shit out of him. He's a funny guy. And uh, I hope, I hope that we continue to see him. But how, I was going to ask you this, where does I, like, got to be one of the one of the best defensive tackles to play huh yeah uh you know it 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 comes down to what you look for in a defensive tackle like i, I would more so rate him as a nose tackle yeah purely a nose tackle because then you don't have to worry about you know the sacks argument right and really you shouldn't worry about it because that's not really what he was called on to do he was called on to you know hold the point Keep you know guys from knocking him off the ball, mm-hmm. so that he occupied you know at least one guy, but at least uh, uh, you know at least the center. He kept the center off the, the, the linebackers, but hopefully the guards too. Mm-hmm. And then you know if he was able to make plays himself, then that was a plus. Mm-hmm. And he was and he was able to do that. You know he was able to you know he goes from one minute holding up a double team to splitting them. And making him play in the backfield. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the thing about him is that he was so strong and so powerful and so hard to move. But then he could also sidestep you and make a play in the backfield in, in the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you couldn't just brace yourself for his power. You also had to be aware of the fact that he was pretty nimble on his feet for a guy that size. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you compare him to like, uh, uh, you know, the grave digger. Uh, for the for the Packers, Gilbert Brown, and guys like the Gilbert Brown and, and, and Big Ted uh, for for the Bills, yeah, <laughs> and, and those guys, and he's the cream of the crop. Yeah, you know what I'm saying because you just you know most of those guys, most of the time you see a nose tackle, 
he was an either or guy. Yeah. You know, either he was just a big, strong guy who was hard to move, or he was a guy that was quick and, and, and he would get in the gaps and get penetration. But, you know, Vince Wilford was that rare guy who could do both. Mm-hmm. And he could do it up and down the line, of course. He, you know, he can move over the guard, he can move over uh, the center. Uh, but wherever he went, man, you just you just could not, you know, you couldn't get yourself ready for for what he could do because he would embarrass you if you weren't ready for his power. Mm-hmm. But then you're sitting there ready for power, and inside, and you just left sitting there at the line of scrimmage when he uses a finesse move. Yeah. So it just you know just a guy that made everybody else on the defense is better. Yeah. So you'll be seeing the linebackers, you know, making these plays and all that stuff, but they will be clean. They wouldn't be blocked because of his work up in front of them. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's rare that you even have a guy playing that position that gets the kind of recognition that, that Vince Wilford got. But he earned every bit of it because he's just, you know, he, if you couldn't block him, your day was going to be a long day, and it wasn't very many teams that could block it. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I, what did he say? I'm trading my cleats for smoked meats. <laughs> that, that, I, that, that might be that might go down as the the best retirement announcement ever. It's definitely uh, in the top five. <laughs> Well, man, we got a whole slate of uh, preseason games coming up. Uh, I'm sure we will uh, we'll watch a little bit of those this weekend. And then, well, now that we're back in action, we can uh, reconvene next week. We'll have like even more actual or football or something like it, kind of, to talk about. Yeah, we get to talk about some of these rookies and free agent pickups and, and make some rash. Uh, decisions about what that means for their team. That's right. Uh, but yeah, just, you know, uh, getting back to real football and, and, you know, not having to kind of make these predictions um, that, that come back to bite you in the butt. You know, <laughs> uh, it, it, it is great because now I just get to watch and, 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 and evaluate what's actually going on rather than what, you know, I'm predicting is going on. And yeah. that's always great for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I always, I always go back. I, I go back and look at my Super Bowl predictions and, uh, it's always, it's uh, when you look at those, it's always, well, can't believe I predicted that, but yeah, no, we'll have a whole bunch more predictions because once bitten, why be twice shy? So we'll have a whole bunch of predictions yeah. coming out in a few weeks with the season preview with the breakout players and all kinds of cool stuff. So, Oh yeah, <laughs> we. Yeah, I, I'll be going back and, th- and thinking about all the good things I was saying about the Jacksonville Jaguars this time, <laughs> this time last year. So yeah, like you said, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what was what did uh, what was the famous Gus Bradley thing that he used to say? Getting better one day at a time, improve every day. That's how we're that's how we're going through August here, Stephen at SB Nation. Get a little better try. every day. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be a little bit more successful than him though. <laughs> well, and by the yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> who hired him? Because I think the Chargers did, wasn't it? I don't even know. I think he's their DC now, which is probably a better place it, for him to be. Yeah, yeah, than, definitely. Than having to take on fight with Duval Twitter every day. 
All right, Stephen. Good show. It's good to be back. And uh, we'll meet up and hash out some more foosball next week. (laughs) 